welcome again. If you are watching online, it's so good to be part of this service, to be connected with you. I really encourage you to write into the comments, to be part of this service. And again, it's such a privilege to be back in my home church. It's still my home church. I, I don't care how many years I'm in Hamburg. This church will be a part of my home, a part of my heart forever, I promise. All right, are you doing good? Yes, yes, I'm doing good as well. Just if you wondered, I'm doing good, okay? Hey, I have a question in the beginning. Who of you has never ever seen a shooting star in your life? You know a shooting star like at night, if you look into the stars and all of a sudden you see like this burning, yeah? Does anyone has not seen a shooting star like ever? I mean not on TV or YouTube, I mean in real life, like analog life. So yeah, I love your honesty. And for many years, I was just like you. <laughs> for many years, I never had the privilege to be able to see a shooting star. And I was so frustrated. And it was not the reason that I grew up in, a, in a, like a big city where it's just too much city lights that you don't see anything if you look up in the sky at night. But it was really, I, I tried, okay? I tried so many times and I really was a guy who, I uh, did a lot of camping, but still, when I was camping, all of my friends saw shooting stars, and they said, whoa, did you see that one? And I'm like, no, I just missed it. And I was so frustrated that I started not believing in the idea of shooting stars anymore. I thought maybe that's just some part of fantasy, okay? Maybe just some weird guys, you know, when it's too hot in the summer, you have not drink enough, your brain sometimes becomes a little too creative. So I thought maybe, this whole thing, shooting star, does not exist. Until I was about 14, and I was here in Switzerland for vacation at my relatives, and we lived at my uncle's house, and my uncle was reading the newspaper in the afternoon, and all of a sudden he closed his newspapers, and he looked at us and said, tonight you are going to sleep outside. And me as a teenager, I thought I've done something wrong, right? You always think, okay, this is, okay, now we're done. Okay, he kicks us out of his house. What have we done now? But then he told us that at this night, this very night, it's like the high, uh, it's like the, it's a meteor shower. Uh, it's in the midst of August every year where the meteors come so close to earth that there is a high opportunity to see a lot of shooting stars. And I was so excited. I thought, okay, maybe this is my night of shooting stars. So we grabbed our mattress and our pillow and we went outside. We slept outside. We waited until it's getting darker and darker. And it didn't take long until my cousin started seeing shooting stars. But I didn't see one either. So my frustration becomes even bigger. I started praying and all of a sudden I remember I saw my first shooting star crossing all over the sky and I had goosebumps all over because I, I really, I think this is such a crazy thing. You know, the universe enters our universe. This is crazy, isn't it? And, and so I had goosebumps and now comes this interesting thing when it comes to seeing a shooting star. Once you have seen one, you've seen the second one as well and the third one. So we started counting and at that night I have seen 47 shooting stars in one night. And it was amazing. So I think it's the 12th of August this year. I really pray you have good weather in Zurich or wherever you're watching online. And make sure you sleep outside and get uh, ready for some shooting star. You know, the fun thing is, I believe when it comes to seeing God 
and experiencing God in your day-to-day -day routine, it's a little bit like seeing shooting stars, right? If you have never... Um, if you have never believed in God before, maybe you are new to this whole concept of believing in a living God that is willing and capable to be a part of your life. And maybe this whole thing is so new that I want to encourage you to just pray and ask God to reveal himself to you. There is a verse that is so promising. It's in Jeremiah 29, and God is promising this. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you. What a promise. God says, if you seek me, you will find me. If you call me, I will answer. So this is the promise and maybe the challenge. If you are new to faith, I ask you and encourage you to just seek for him and ask him to reveal himself into your day-to-day -day routine because God is capable and willing to do so. Okay, but I really believe that even if you are a person that is long ago a Christian and you have uh, many years and you have a lot of experience with faith, I really believe there's probably no one who would not say, I can use some more faith in my life, right? Probably there's no one who would say, oh, I have, I have enough faith. I have, I have too much faith, okay? I need to get rid of some. Do you want some, you know? We all need some more faith, right? And my question for this afternoon is, why do we so often not seem to recognize that God is taking action in our everyday life? Again, why do we so often not seem to recognize that God is taking action in our everyday life? I believe that 99% of all what God is doing, we are not recognizing, right? We think he's not there. We think he's not answering. But the problem is so many times we do not recognize it. Hey, we have some great shoes and uh, those shoes, they represent different stages of faith. And we will do a Slido um, survey in just a minute so you can also grab your phone already and let's talk a, bit, a little bit about these shoes. Now the first shoe is like this baby shoe, okay? Maybe your faith is like a baby faith. Maybe you grew up as a Christian, maybe you went to church as a small children, but then you grew up and you become an adult. And the logic and your intelligence start building your worldview. And so your faith is like a little bit stuck in this baby faith. Maybe you think believing and trusting in God is a little bit like dancing ballet. It's a very unique thing, right? Not many things are capable to do so. And you think, well, people who believe in a living God are like a little bit, you know, naive you know, like dancing through life, like a ballet, you know? So you think, yeah, it's, it's, it's good for some people, but I don't need that. You know, I'm a German, I'm a Swiss, I'm a whatever you are from. And so you say, well, you go ahead dancing, but I'm uh, not doing this. Maybe you are in this stage of faith. And now this is a Birkenstock. That's a German shoe, Birkenstock, okay? Can you say Birkenstock? Okay, one, two, three. Birkenstock. Okay, it's not Birkenstock. 
It's Birkenstock, okay? German quality, okay? Now, I have to tell you a secret. And I look here, I think yeah, we have some older people, some younger people now. This shoe is, for the last few years, pretty trendy, right? Now, it's a cool shoe now. When it came out about 35 years ago, it was not a cool shoe. Definitely not. I remember my mom bought me Birkenstock as a teenager. And I looked at my mom and I said, Mom, that's the biggest waste of money ever. I will not ever leave this house with this shoe. You know, and it was actually funny because in my hometown, there was like a Christian college and it was very conservative. And so only the Christian in my hometown used those shoes in public. And so a lot of people said, oh, look, there is another guy wearing Jesus sandals. And maybe you think, yeah, faith, that's like a little old-fashioned. But real, maybe this shoe is now trendy, right? Maybe it's like a prophetic sign that trusting God becomes trend again. Would that be cool? Come on. Now, maybe your uh, stage of faith is like this Sunday shoe. Okay, you go to church on Sunday, and on Sunday, you are really a Christian. Monday, you're pretty much living the same life as everyone else, but on Sunday, you put up your smile, you are a little more nice to your wife or to your spouse, your husband, you're very nice to your kids, you know? But then on Monday, you are back in your normal life, and faith does not really make a difference. Maybe you are this shoe, and it's like a little bit a shoe that is worn out right? And maybe you look back and you say, Andy, there was a time where I was so passionate with God. I was so in love with God, and I, I experienced so many miracles. But over the time and the day-to-day -day routine, my faith is like worn out, and I'm tired, and it's not fresh anymore. So maybe some of you guys will put into the Slido that your faith is kind of a little bit worn out. The next shoe is like this beach shoe. And that's like for me, like the easy peasy Christian lifestyle. You know, if you, if you leave your house with this kind of shoe, that means you don't expect anything to happen today, right? You will not leave this shoe if you know this, this day will be crazy, right? So maybe you think, well, the best thing is maybe I just lower my expectations in my faith so I'm not frustrated. You know, I don't even expect God to show up, so then I'm not frustrated if he doesn't, right? And maybe you find yourself into a stage of your faith where you started putting and lowering down your expectations. And maybe you are the last one, and you say, wow, my faith is like war, like a positive war. You know, I have this big faith right now. I'm so in love. I'm in a phase with God where we expect so many miracles. God shows up. I pray and great things are happening. Hey, you can grab your phone, uh, get into the QR code, and I really want to encourage you to be part of this survey. Let's have a look at what phase of, of shoes or what, what shoe does represent your actual phase right now of your faith. Let's be honest. It's, uh, it's, uh, we will not show the names And it's really interesting because it's almost the same numbers like this morning. It's about a 
that say, I have worn out shoes. It's about a 30% that says, I have big shoes, huge shoes. And there is also a lot of flip-flops situations right now. Hey, thank you so much for your answers. I love to uh, communicate in this way. Now, I want to really follow up this question. Why do we so often not seem to recognize that God is taking action in our lives? Why do we so often not seem to recognize that God is taking action in our life? I think there, are, there could be three reasons. Now, the first reason is it's because we do not really expect it. Okay, maybe a lot of times God is not doing anything or maybe we don't see him doing anything because we're not really expecting it, right? So if you are with me at night outside camping and you're not expecting to see a shooting stars, you most likely would not look up, right? Or maybe you look up like for a minute and then you say, ah, I'm not seeing anyone. So I put down and I give up. So many times I believe we are not seeing what God is doing. We're not seeing how God is answering our prayer because we do not really expect it. I've seen a, a funny video some weeks ago. There was a famous movie star in the US. And probably if I would put up the photo, 80, 90% would know him, okay? But what he did is he worked in a grocery store at the cash desk. And probably you can guess what happened. Almost no one recognized this famous movie star. Why? Because no one expected him to be in this grocery store and doing this easy stuff, like uh, working at the cash desk. And I think so many times we don't see God doing something because we don't expect what he's doing. Because we have this idea how God is supposed to answer our prayer. The second reason is, it's maybe because we do not know what to look for. It was interesting, the Jewish people for hundreds of years had prophecies that one day God will send the Messiah to free the Israel people, right? But when Jesus, the Son of God, actually came as the Messiah, a lot of the Jewish people did not recognize him. They didn't see the miracle of God before them. Why? Because, this is the third point, because they had a too rigid idea of how it's supposed to look like when God is coming. And I believe so many times it's my mistake is when I pray and ask God for help, my mistake is I tell God what to do. <laughs> and it's actually stupid. You know, because God is so much wiser and so much bigger than I am, that it's maybe just a lot better that I tell God just what my problem is and let him find out how to solve it, right? But many times I tell God, this is my problem, and I really think this is how you should fix it. And God says, well, but I have better ideas. And many times we think God is not answering our prayers, right? We think, but it's only because we already decided how it should look like if God answers our prayer. And maybe he does answer it, but he does answer it better than you. Now, maybe there is a fourth challenge when it comes to seeing God in action in our lives. 
And I really believe that there is one problem. If we, if we meditate on this question, how big is my faith? Many times I tell myself, if I would ever really experience a big miracle, like a big healing miracle, then I would have more faith, right? Maybe you tell or hear some stories from in this church. Maybe you read a book of some great man of God and you think, wow, if I would experience this kind of miracle in my life, if God would heal me this way, if God would free me from my sickness this way, oh my goodness, my faith would be up here. I would never doubt God again, right? But you know, if you look into the Bible, I have to disappoint you. Because what we see is one pattern. We as human beings, we can experience the greatest miracles, but the next time we are back in trouble, we forget that God even exists. Uh, the Israel people were on the road for 40 years in the desert. And so many times they had the biggest problems. And so many times they prayed to God and said, God, we need you. Please help us. And so many times God helped them. And not just like helped them, but like big, crazy miracles, like fire from earth and uh, fire from heaven to earth and, and, and food falling down from the sky. So this is crazy, okay? Like really, obviously miracle stuff. And every time they said, oh God, you are amazing. From now on, we promise we will never doubt you again. But the next day, another problem comes. What did they do? They went back and said, oh God, you don't love us. I'm not even sure if you exist, you know. So they even started turning to other gods and forgetting that this amazing God just did another miracle two days ago. And I find myself so many times just like the Israelite people. So many times. Because if we are really honest, most of the guys here in this room or maybe online, we already have experienced miracles in the past. How many times have we prayed for protection and God did protect us? How many times did we pray for provision and we did experience provision? How many times did we ask God to help us in our marriage and he did, right? But the next day, we are back in trouble, and I am back in trouble. I do everything by myself. I try as hard as I can, and the last thing that comes to my mind is, wait, there is a supernatural, almighty, loving God that promised to answer if I call him, that promised to take action if I asked him to. And so many times, it takes Hours and days and years until my pride is broken that I'm on my knees and ask God for help. There's another story in the Bible that really represents this whole dilemma. Uh, the, 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 the disciples of Jesus, they have been with Jesus quite a while. They have been on the road. They have seen so many miracles, right? Jesus healed uh, sick people and deaf people and all kind of stuff. And maybe you think, well, if I would have been one of those disciples, ah, I would be a great man, a woman of faith, right? They've seen so many miracles. And there comes this day, Jesus was doing like this sermon on the mount. And maybe you know the stories how Jesus fed 
5,000 men plus women plus kids. So about 15, 20,000 people were listening to Jesus. Jesus was preaching and preaching and it turned to, started to be evening and so the disciples stopped him and said, boss, great message, but uh, people are hungry. They maybe should go home soon because it's getting dark. And what is God doing? What is Jesus saying? You guys give them food. You know, many times if you ask God for a miracle, many times, maybe most of the times, he has some great idea how to involve you into the miracle, into the miracle process. So Jesus said, great, that's right, that's really a problem, you guys fix it. And the disciples probably thought in the beginning, okay, Jesus is making a joke, right? But then they realized, no, he's serious. So they find a boy, he has uh, two fish, five loaves of bread. Uh, so they brought that to Jesus, said, wow, we really fixed the problem, Jesus. That's a lot of food for 15,000 people, right? So they gave it to Jesus. Jesus prayed, blessed the food, turned it back into their hand and said, you go ahead. Gave it to the people. And I really believe how weird must this be if you have two fish and five loaves of bread. You stand in front of 15,000 people and you say like, hey, I have your food. <laughs> Who wants first, right? But the moment they took action, the moment they took action and really started to give out the food to the people, that moment the miracle took place. That moment, not before, that moment, the miracle took place. And they experienced that God, for the first time, did a miracle in their hand, through their hand. And now you think, okay, now their faith must be great. Now their faith must be awesome, right? But what happens next? They are done, people go home, they go back to, this, to the lake of Gennesaret. Jesus said, okay, you guys go ahead, cross the lake already with the boat. I will come later. Okay, so they had the info. I will come later. Jesus told them he will come. Okay, they go on the lake and they come into a huge storm. Do we have a storm? Do we have a storm? Let's have a storm. They come into this huge storm, a big storm, a deadly storm. And it says in the Bible, for hours they were fighting for their life. They tried to get the water out of the boat. They were scared to death, really not making sure, not sure if they would be alive in the next 25 minutes. Okay, so for hours they are in the storm until at the very end of this lake, they saw some person walking on water. Now they had the info that Jesus would come, right? But still, what do they thought? They thought, oh, this is a ghost. Maybe that's a dead ghost trying to get us. So they were even more scared now. And it was only one disciple called Peter that said, oh, wait. Jesus actually said, I come later, right? And he's looking and saying, well, I'm not sure if that is a ghost. Maybe, guys, maybe that's Jesus, right? And he, And, and, and he sees Jesus and 11 people see a ghost. Now, 11 people see the storm as a bad thing, but maybe Peter realized this storm only happens because of a miracle that is supposed to happen. 11 people complain, and one person says, maybe this storm is actually an opportunity to experience God in my day-to-day -day life. And there comes this crazy moment 
And I don't know what was wrong with Peter, but into this storm, all of a sudden, he had this crazy idea. What if I could walk on water too? And I really think it was because of this afternoon, because Peter actually saw Jesus telling him, give the food to the people. So Peter realized if Jesus is actually telling me something and I obey, I will can I be able to do miracles as well, right? And so he said, well, Jesus, why don't you tell me to walk on water? Because then I can do it. And Jesus actually liked this idea and said, okay, you come out of the boat, right? And so Peter actually steps out of the boat onto the water. And the miracle happened when? When he took action. When he did the step of faith, then the miracle happened. Not before, not in the boat, not in the security, but in the insecurity. Out of the comfort zone, the miracle happened. So we know how the story continues, right? Peter all of a sudden looked to the left, to the right. What happened? He starts losing focus. He becomes scared, he becomes afraid, and all of a sudden he's sinking. And Jesus helped him back into the boat. And I really, I'm not sure if I like the next verse because it's a crazy verse. When they are back into the boat, Jesus tells Peter this, <laughs> you of little faith. <laughs> He said, why did you doubt? You of little faith? Jesus, come on, that's not fair. What about the other 11 guys back in the boat, right? They were scared, they didn't have faith. Peter just walked on water a minute ago and Jesus said, you of weak or little faith. And I really asked myself, why is God so hard to Peter? I believe Jesus knew that there's soon coming a time where Peter will be in different storms and he will not see Jesus physically anymore. Jesus knew he will return to the Father and the Spirit will come. Jesus knew there soon will be a time where you, Peter, are back in storms, but you will not see me physically and you will not most likely hear me physically anymore. But your faith is still stronger than that. And you can do better than this. I want to show you a story of a woman in our church in Hamburg who really experienced how God called her onto the water. Let's see the testimony. Ich bin in einem Zuhause groß geworden, in dem ganz viel Gewalt und Missbrauch herrschte. Und so hatte ich viele Narben in meinem Herzen und in meiner Seele. Als ich vor elf Jahren dann Jesus kennenlernen durfte, veränderte sich wirklich alles in meinem Leben. Ich durfte so viel Heilung erfahren und es machte sich eine riesen Lebensfreude in mir breit. Und trotzdem gab es da diesen einen Bereich, in dem ich noch sehr gefangen war. Und zwar hatte ich eine riesen Angst davor, Fähre zu fahren oder mit dem Flugzeug mitzufliegen. Und dabei hatte ich gar keine Angst, mit der Fähre unterzugehen oder mit dem Flugzeug abzustürzen. Der Gedanke, nicht aussteigen zu können, wann immer ich möchte, verursachte regelrecht Panik in mir. Ich dachte, dass das immer so bleiben würde. Das ist halt ein Überbleibsel aus meiner Vergangenheit. Und dann fahre ich halt nicht wäre oder ich fliege nicht mit einem Flugzeug. Das ist ja nicht schlimm. Vor ein paar Monaten bekam ich dann in meiner stillen Zeit aber dieses eine Bild. Ich sah Jesus mit mir in einem Flugzeug sitzen. Er breitet die Arme aus und sagt, guck mal Steffi, wie wunderschön das ist. 
Und dieses Bild bekam ich nicht nur einmal, nicht nur zweimal, sondern immer und immer wieder. Und so fasste ich meinen Mut zusammen und erzählte einer lieben Freundin von meinem Problem und auch von diesem Bild. Wir verabredeten uns zu einem ganz persönlichen Get-Free-Vormittag, nur für mich. Gemeinsam beteten wir und brachten meine Angst ans Kreuz. Ein paar Tage danach wollte ich diesen Schritt mit Jesus besiegeln. Ich schnappte mir meinen Ehemann Mario und wir fuhren zusammen Fähre. Das war so befreiend. Ich hatte überhaupt keine Angst. Das war wunderschön. Kurz danach bekam ich dann das Angebot, zur ICF Experience nach Zürich zu fliegen. Und ohne groß darüber nachzudenken, sagte ich zu. Als dann der Flug bevorstand, war mir aber sehr, sehr mulmig. Ich hatte so eine Angst vor der Angst. Doch dann sagte ich, stopp, Steffi, glaubst du deine Erfahrung oder glaubst du der Verheißung Jesus? Und so entschloss ich mich, aufs Wasser zu gehen. Zwar mit ganz wackeligen Knien, aber fest entschlossen. Und was soll ich sagen? Der Flug war wunderschön. Ich habe es so genossen, über den Wolken zu sein. Und auch der Rückflug, er war so entspannt, als wäre die Angst nie da gewesen in meinem Leben. Und ich bin so, so dankbar dafür. Yes, let's give God a hand. It's so good. I love this story. And actually, I was in the plane with Stephanie. And to be honest, at the airport, she was still afraid. Sitting into the plane, she was still afraid. It was really the moment the door closed and the plane took off where God did the miracle. There are so many times it seems like God comes the last second, but he's right coming on time. He's not coming too late. He's coming always on time. Hey, I want to end like with a, I call it a biblical statistic. Maybe that's a little over-exaggerated, but uh, I want to show you something because I believe many people think that having faith does mean not having any doubts. I, I believe a lot of people think they don't have a strong faith because they look into themselves and think, well, I still have doubts and I still have fear. And you know, I really don't think that faith means the absence of fear. I really believe faith is the answer to fear, okay? Faith did not mean the absence of fear, it's the answer to fear. You know, a lot of times when we hear stories of what God did in somebody else's life, maybe a pastor tells a great story, maybe you read a book of someone who really had a crazy walk with God, many times we tend to forget the pain and the fear and the doubt that we had when we actually did the step of faith. You know, once the miracle was happening, it's kind of, we forget all, all the fear that we felt, right? and all the doubt that we had. And so I want to show you, because many times I believe it's like this, it's like 51% faith versus 49% fear. It's not that you are not afraid. It's not that you don't have any doubts anymore. All what God needs is a little more faith than all the other voices in you. When we moved to Hamburg four years ago, people looked at us and many people said, oh, amazing, you're doing such a great step of faith. I love your courage. <laughs> and I always laughed to myself. I said, I don't, I don't see any courage in me, actually. I'm afraid. I have doubts. I'm not sure if we really heard God the right way. Doing a step of faith 
does not mean that God takes away all the fear and all the doubts. But actually what he's looking for is a heart that says, I give God the last voice in my, head, in my life. I listen to God's voice. And he, if he tells me to do something, I do it. No matter what's going in my heart, no matter the doubt, no matter the fear. You know, most of the times, miracles happen outside our comfort zone. Most of the time, miracles happen outside our comfort zone. And the comfort zone is not a bad thing. I really, I really think God loves if we are in our comfort, right? But many times, a comfort zone starts pushing us away from God, allowing us to stick with our own abilities, with our own ideas, with our own opportunities. And sometimes God puts us into storms, not because he does like the storm, no, but he loves to do miracles into your life. He loves to do the crazy stuff that only he can do. And maybe you are in a storm right now. Maybe you look from home, maybe you are in this auditorium right now. Maybe you are in this storm right now. And it feels like God is not there. And I want to encourage you, just like in this story, 11 disciples said, well, this storm means that God is not here. But one disciple said, this storm is an opportunity for a miracle. This storm is an opportunity to experience some of God's love and provision in my life. Can we stand up? I really want to close my eyes together with you just for a moment. And I, I want to do two things. I want to ask God two questions. And maybe you want to ask those questions too. And God, we ask you to come now and to speak clearly into our own life. And there are two questions that you can ask God right now. The first question is, God, what is my, what is my step of faith? What is my step of faith? And the second question that you can ask God is, what represents my boat? What represents my comfort zone? What is the comfort zone that maybe hinders me from experiencing miracles in my life. And I just want to stop for a minute and pausing for a minute and you can just be with God right now at home here in the auditorium and ask Jesus those two questions. What is my step of faith? And what represents my own boat, my own comfort zone? And if you want to, you can really make a decision right now in the presence of God, what you want to do to step out of your boat.
maybe you want to write that decision down. Maybe you want to text someone right now. Maybe you want to talk to your spouse just for a minute. But I encourage you to write it down and to make a commitment. Tell your small group. Let them know. And God, we come as a church. We come as individuals. And we want to confess we need you and we want you in our day-to-day -day routine. And I want to pray, especially for those who say, I feel like a worn out shoe. God, I ask you to open the gates of heaven and to flood with new miracles and new supernatural power. God, I ask you for the spirit of encouragement that you just open the gates of heaven and fall fall the spirit of encouragement may fall on your shoulders right now in the name of Jesus and God I ask you that you open our eyes for the things you do God I ask you that you open our spiritual eyes for the godly opportunities on our day-to-day -day routine God do not allow us to walk by what you want to do God, I ask in Jesus' name that we may be obedient, that we may be bold, and that we not give the fear the last word in our lives, but you, the great King of life. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Hey, we are on our feet already, and worship means that we proclaim what God means for us, how He is, and who He is. So let's be in the spirit of worship. Come on. Hey, thanks for watching. Hey, our passion for people is that we see them grow in their relationship with Jesus, live fearlessly, and influence their people and the surrounding in a positive way. And if you would like to be part of that vision, we thank you so much for your financial support because that would make it possible. I hope that this message spoke to you, really. And if you don't have subscribed to our channel, please do this. And it's always a big blessing. Maybe you know some people in your neighborhood or in your friendship that podcast could be a very well cool thing just share the link because it's pretty pretty easy and I'm looking forward to see you again tune in and God bless you and see you soon bye bye